All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 78 of The Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots, we got a uh, great interview this week with James Van Riemsdyk, a uh, longtime professional, still playing with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, but a lot to catch up on before then. What do you say? Let's uh, let's get into it. How's everything been going? Uh, how's the weekend? What do you say? Yeah, uh, it was really good. We had, you know, had a little best of last week. Had some some great uh, kind of clips of some of the interviews that we had. Uh, good Fourth of July week. And um, back know, to reality it. now, though. I right? know. Yeah, but it's good. It was it was a good little break, and we uh, able to play a little golf. I played golf with the CEO Courtney. Wow, that's yeah. cute. Yeah, she uh, she got it around pretty nice, and um, you know, thanks to uh, our boy Andy Erickson, um, it was like a little couples thing. We had you know uh, two other couples along with them, so there was there was eight of us. Um, had a little sleepover, you know, so a nice dinner. It was awesome. So it was a nice little getaway. Um, played a great course, and you know, again, like back to real reality, like you said, but it, it was a good little. Uh, Good little um, kind of cap off of the 4th of July week, and um, I got some stuff done. Like, I woke up, and I was like, I'm going to do stuff that I don't want to do. You know, like, clean out, like, you know, you're just putting stuff off. So, kind of, like, purge some, you know, like, I went to the dump, like, six times. The guy's like, you're back? You know, I'm like, yeah. And just dumping stuff that, you know, has been, like, piled up or whatever. I just cleaned out a few things, so. Felt good to uh, purge a few things uh, around the house. The yard was tight, um, so it was all good over the weekend. No, what about you? Well, give me a little recap on the uh, the golf on the Travis. It's, yeah, so we had the Travis. Uh, me and Bunzo, great time once again. I appreciate him uh, inviting me down there. It's great, great crew of guys down there. Jimmy Russo, Chris Poli. They ended up the you know a couple hockey guys. They won the top flight. Uh, really, really good players. Uh, we're in like the sixth or seventh flight and we get around good um again first first thursday 27 holes we were two and one so not bad our loss was an absolute shellacking though like you know how when you just you've had those nine hole matches i think we lost like one and five um which is just a killer you know what i mean so that was that was rough, and then we go into day two. Uh, we, you know, another nine hole match. We win in the morning. Then we end up playing Paul Mara and his partner Joe Rathgeb, who's another you know great older guy. Uh, obviously, Paul. We talked about him before. We're gonna have him on the show soon. But you know, longtime pro, good guy, pounds the ball. They gave us another waxing. So we're three and two going into the final day. The top two teams in our flight kind of like had running away so we're basically playing for for pride at that point um to get into the broom pool yeah more or less and you know we didn't but we ended up just a pinnacle of of mediocrity three three and one uh but you know play with a lot that of guys the pinnacle, by the way yeah it really is it really is so uh but like you said great way to cap off the weekend we had a great night down we did an absolute tour of uh of Plymouth like Harbor on Thursday night. Like we, we get out of the course, few drinks there. We go to this place, Sandy's, which is like a beach bar, um, right on the water, a couple cold ones there up to the hotel, quick shower back. We went to, where did we go? Like literally 
we did we we went to like five different restaurants slash bars some live music had a great meal at the fox and not no 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 fork and table or something like that which is a fairly new place jimmy russo uh suggested it and that was really good and then we hit um you know east bay and and those places for some live music it's if you're in the you know that plymouth area i know you like it actually mots we went to your spot the galway, uh, the galway. Yeah. absolute dive right <laughs> and I knew you loved it. So that, that fork and table was right around, like basically right across the street. I'm like, dude, we got to go to Galway. I'm like, that's Mott's a spot. And uh, so right after we eat, we go over there. We're playing some Barkino, taught the girls how to play Barkino, uh, yeah. Joanna and Charlotte, Brendan's wife. And so we got the, the singles going and just an old school Irish pub, right? Like that's yeah. what it is, but right up our alley. Is soon the, the highlight of it though was like two locals just come walking in and the bartender looks right at him. He's like, You two out like, right <laughs> away. Like, like he knew their script, you know what I mean? And he was like, <laughs> So actually, you no, know, he was like to, to one guy, he's like, You out. The other guy comes in and he he's got a uh, you know, now he's pissed off because his boy couldn't get in. So he but but he gave him a beer, he, he's he's got his beer, and he, now he's in like a staring contest with the bartender. The bartender's like what are you going to do? You, you know, know what I mean? What? Like, like what? And uh, just we're sitting there and we like, now you're like, you know, your spidey senses are going. I'm like, something could happen here. Like this guy might throw a bottle, might do something stupid, you know, but he just like gave the old bottle slam on the, after he chugged his beer and left. And, you know, the old like tough guy, as you're walking out the door, yelling at him and stuff like yeah. that. But it was, it was, uh, it was funny. It was, it made for a little, you know, good chuckle, especially at the old Galway. Did you uh, take a pedicab down there? No, they had this other thing that was like a, a, it was more or less like an electric golf cart. And the guy just like, like, but it was yeah. a little bit bigger and it, it, it bombed us around to a couple places, but it shut down at like 10. So that yeah. barely got us out of dinner. You know how we, we put in kind of a shift, you know? Yeah. I remember one time we we're in a pedicab down there and the guy couldn't get up the hill. I'm like, dude, I, I can I, can I ride the bike? You know, it's like just like this little it wasn't like a huge element he was huffing and puffing but um you looked like slapskovsky the number one overall pick there Slapshotsky. yeah yeah that kid killed the, the bike didn't he that kid killed the bike i swear it was, it was slavkovsky right yeah uh, i like calling him slapskovsky slap slapshotsky um but yeah no 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 pedicabs and i don't think i was in any condition to be pedaling anything um but yeah, good time. You know, really, really good time. Like, like I said, Mara and uh, and his partner Joe, they ended up taking our flight, and then they go into a shootout. And I believe Russo and Poli, which were the they were the top flight, they ended up winning the whole shootout thing. So, uh, but got me out of there, and then recapped. Um, was able to catch up on Saturday night with um, my brother and his wife and kids. They had, were down in Nantucket for a couple of weeks and met them in in Marsh Vegas for um, you know nice dinner and hang out a few more drinks to kind of wean off of it. And, uh, it was, it was a good time, but back to, back to the real world. We've had, uh, baseball going every night, couple championships for the boys. Liam, um, Liam won the mayor's cup, which is basically, you know, just a city of Boston thing and their region, their, um, sectionals, but they got absolutely pounded by deluxe Berry, uh, Monday night. So it was, uh, you would have, you would have been proud of your green dragons down there. They had some really good players and, um, 
it was interesting seeing the the city kids leave the city you know what i mean they the 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 Duxbury kids weren't a, they weren't intimidated by the field right on the highway you know what i mean with the uh okay. you know right in right in Savin Hill there they they stepped right up to the occasion and they were uh they were good and then Collins team they won their sectional and they're on to the or whatever it is district and now they're going to the sectionals but um so it's been been fun kind of baseball every single night been busy and back on the ice i've been back on the ice uh, i skated monday and wednesday this week and doing a little clinic that i've been doing with some you know mites and squirts and peewees and bantams so it's been fun kind of uh you know reinforcing a lot of things we talk about all the time but been out there with um with my cousin and uh he's been helping me out my my cousin billy and um fun working with you know a lot of local kids around here and just having some fun on the ice you know good to be back in the rink yeah and i actually hopped on the ice uh for johnny mccarthy there um, oh that's good, right yeah yeah good good uh good group good execution it was a you know 6 30 group and like a 740 or something like that and uh yeah just kind of same thing it is good to be on the ice and have a little impact on on some of these kids you, you know you run a good practice for these guys and then you know give them a little bit of guidance along the way if they need it but a lot of these guys are pretty good um you know and they have some bright futures ahead of them a couple kids in college and but it's good they, they're willing to learn they're willing to learn uh, work and you know it's early in the morning you get up and go and then you start your day but um yeah it's been good um and like you said, being back in the rink is fun. You know, it's a, it's a nice break. And we've had great weather here in the Boston area, so can't be complaining too much. But it's, uh, it's, it is nice to get in the rink. Yeah, no, it's been really good. Um, you know, a couple things to catch up on. Obviously, um, we had a great video uh, that was posted. I know we reposted at USA Hockey, uh, put it up. It was at one of their development camps. I think it was the 16s or 17s or something like that. But he was just, uh, you know, talking about um, – you know, finding ways to work harder, right. And do what you can. Like everybody has the ability, but what can you do and how can you find that next level? Um, Mots, I know we're going to play the clip, but anything you want to add to it or you, maybe we can, you, you want to chime in after the clip? Um, yeah. I mean, as far as Don, Don Granato, like I had him in, in the minors in Worcester and he's a super guy, very good coach. And he's doing a great job with Buffalo Sabres, but his message here is, Absolutely spot on. So uh, have a listen. How many of you guys want to play in the NHL? Okay, throw your hands down. How many of you guys don't want to play in the NHL? Don't make it a goal of yours. So nobody. So you can say it, and it's good to say it, but you just said it, and you kind of made a commitment to it when you said it. I want to play in the NHL. Everybody else is, I'm looking at you, and you just raise your hand. I want to play in the NHL. It's great. It's great to want to play. I want this, I want that. You're gonna want a lot of things in life. You want a big house, a nice car, a nice life. It's easy to say, yeah, I want it. But what are you gonna to do to get it? Who is, it? who is most passionate about, everybody raise their hand, I wanna play in the NHL. Who's willing to pay a bigger price? Everything in life is how big a price are you willing to pay? How big a price are you willing to pay? What are you willing to sacrifice to get there? Because you guys, again, from what I've seen, you've got enough skill. You've got enough athleticism. Now, it's going to be paying a price. And you think you have, everybody in this room, you know, I never ask my guys, 
if they're hard workers. They're all hard workers. They're all hard workers. And you guys, if I asked you if you're a hard worker, damn right you'd raise your hand. But what I can tell you is, find a way to work harder. That's what I'll tell you. I tell our team that all the time. Find a way to work harder. Because working hard is not good enough. You need to find a way to work harder every day. You want something, you got to go get it. So that was Don Granado talking to uh, some U16 players um, and just such a great message and, and how simple a message it is. But he says it to his, his team in Buffalo as well. So, you know, it's just finding a way to work harder. Everyone raised their hand when they wanted to, you know, said they wanted to play in the NHL. But what's it going to take? There's a lot of good players, good skill. And you have to find a way to separate yourself. Everyone works hard. And then find that extra gear to work harder. And it's just a, a really good message and something that kids can really um, you know, take to and, and apply to their own person and anything they do. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't mention, but, um, or I, I should say we did, but, you know, James Van Riemsdyk mentioned it in, in, in our interview. And he talks about just constantly finding ways to get better. And guys, you know, veteran guys that have been around the league for 15 years when he got in. And, you know, it was like the day you stop, you know, working and learning and things like that is the day that, you, you know, your career is basically over. So it, um, you know, I think that's really going to resonate. And, and, you know, like you said, I think uh, Donnie Granados did, you know, did a good job with what the, the hand that he was dealt up there in Buffalo this past year. And he's going to continue to get better because of that mindset. So uh, really good stuff. I, uh, I want to talk to you about TSR hockey. They'll be joining us for the street hockey tournament, August 6th and 7th and providing the t-shirts. Uh, we're psyched to see that they're coming down with the tent and um and they'll be joining us obviously so make sure you um hit them up tsrhockey.com the tsr team and, and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands and sports apparel as always make sure that your team looks the best next season i know they have their uh their tent sale that's coming up at the end of the month uh, make sure you you follow them on their website and also their social media platforms uh instagram and stuff like that tsrhockey.com and uh, they do a great job for us up there. Yeah, we really appreciate the support. They do a great job, like you said. Um, my son and daughter will be making a trip uh, relatively soon, and they're going to be uh, you know, taking care of them from skates to sticks. And uh, But be sure to check out tsrhockey.com. Awesome. Uh, we did have the uh, the draft, a couple things we wanted to recap and highlight. Uh, some local guys that I wanted to shout out. Uh, some mass players, number 34 overall was uh, Cam Lund, who's a former Cushion kid. He was taken by San Jose. He's going to Northeastern, 76, also by San Jose. Mike Fisher out of the St. Mark's School, big defenseman. I think he's going to Northeastern as well, Mott, is that right? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, number 91 overall, Ben McDonald. Uh, we talked about him a bit this year after the flood mar, playing for Nobles, uh, was taken by Seattle. Both yeah, of those Wayne guys. McDonald's on. Yep, yep, both those guys. Third round is uh, fifth round pick, number 154 overall, Michael Callow out of uh, St. Sebastian's, a good salty boy. I work with his uh, father, good family, couple brothers. I know they had L Street Tavern all packed up and riled. I saw a couple of videos. They were uh, they were patiently waiting for him to get drafted, and I know the McKenna's and the Woods is all his uh, family. They like I said, they uh, they packed the old L Street uh, Tavern, which was pretty cool to see those guys. So shout out to 
Michael Callow, uh, also in the sixth round, 193, uh, Chris Romain out of Milton Milton Academy, uh, went to the Colorado Avalanche. And in the seventh round, the 203rd pick, James Fisher, uh, Belmont Hill kid was taken by Columbus. So really good stuff, uh, you know, about six uh, mass-born kids. So shout out to those guys. Uh, so it's great. It's, it shows like the strength of mass hockey and, and you know, some of the prep schools and the USHL. Like, you know, these players have been growing up here and going through the, these programs that we talked about and, um, you know, getting the coaching and just taking that next step and continuing continuing their development. So big congratulations to all of them and we wish them the best of success uh, moving forward. Yeah, all those guys are out at their rookie development camps now, which is pretty cool. They get drafted and they're out, you know, gives them a really good introduction. I was talking to Mike's father, Keith, and, you know, right away the, um, you know, the, the the phone call came in. They, you know, after he was drafted the next day that Anaheim sent him his itinerary, he was going out for development camp. They were doing their testing and, you know, getting fitted for their, like, uniforms and things like that. They were going to hit up a a baseball game and do some kind of cool different things. So it's a really, really cool experience and, you know, must be uh, awesome for those guys. And, you know, shout out to all their parents that kind of paid the price and, um, you know, got them from the rink. Those early morning practices when they were little kids. So it's a, you know, notch on their uh, on their belt right now, but the, the real work begins, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the commitment to get to this point and then now it's up to the player and the kid and to, uh, you know, just continue down that path. But getting the taste of, like, just a little bit of being in the city that you get drafted by and, and seeing some of the, the cool stuff. And I went to a couple, you know, development camps. We weren't on the ice or anything, but everything's so much more organized and mainstreamed within organizations. It's, it's really great. So it's a big, uh, you know, congratulations to those guys and uh, enjoy it. You know, this is like, this is the time where you want to be and, you know, kind of put your best foot forward and, and keep the eye on the prize. Yeah. Um, we talked about the draft we touched on. I know you asked me last week, but that was a, uh, it was pretty interesting. I know we, you know, I talked about having um, the Shane Rico number one, which obviously uh, didn't end up happening. He ended up falling down to the fourth pick to Seattle, but your uh, is, I don't know if that's how it's, it's, it's really your What do you think? Mots? I don't know. Yeah, Yuri. Yuri. There you go. Uh, Slavkovsky Slovakian born player ended up going uh, number one overall to Montreal and ended up signing with them. And did you see this kid? I mean, he looks like, I mean, he's six foot four. He looks like a beast on and off the ice NHL ready type of guy. So uh, definitely interesting. And what do you think, you know, Shane Wright's attitude is going to be going into, um, you know, going into Seattle and having fallen from basically the clear cut number one, you know, for the last couple of years. And now we drop down to the fourth overall pick. You know what? Uh, I mean, it's not his fault. I think it's no. a lot of uh, the Canadian media driving this, you know, pu- publicity for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he's reading the press clippings and after answering all those questions over the last year and a half, he's going to form a, you know opinion on where he should go. And just because he went fourth, I mean, it didn't go one and he went fourth. Like, who really cares? You know, you're a top five pick. Yeah. You're going to the same league, you know, Montreal versus Seattle. You know, it's a little bit both up and coming. I mean, Montreal, I think, has a lot more upside right now. Um, 
but I mean, you're, you're, you're going to get an opportunity to play in Seattle and there should be no, uh, you know, internally you might be motivated because of, you know, some of the stuff that was maybe said, but I don't know. I mean, his, his attitude was, was interesting. Like I think he was, he was uh, game facing a few people and, you know, uh, hopefully he uses it as a positive motivator and uh, you know, has a great career. Yeah, I mean, I think they got some good young talent there, and obviously Matty Benares, and and you know, he's gonna have a, a, a long leash up there too in in Seattle, which is probably a good thing for him, right? He's gonna be able to go and make plays and make mistakes and not be you know overly criticized in the Canadian um, you know the Canadians media and things like that, where with with all that pressure. So I think you know. He's going in there, and like we saw that little swagger from uh, Nazim Kadri after they won the the cup. Like to all you haters out there, like you know, more or less kiss my ass, right? And like I kind of love it. Like now he's got a little chip on his shoulder. He's always been the guy that's kind of been the highly touted guy, the number one guy, and now it's you know use it as motivation. I mean, that would be my message to him if I you know was friendly with the kid or the family and things like that. And, you know, Hey, now you got this little chip on your shoulder and go out and get it. So I, I, you know, I I kind of, I'm interested to see, um, you know, obviously it was, it was, you know, difficult to watch at the draft because they're, you know, that they're constantly like got the cameras on him and what's he going to do? Like sit there with a huge smile on his face. Like, no, he's like, he's going to be a little bit agitated. Right. So, uh, you know, best of luck to all of them. I think again, it's you know he's a top five pick. He's gonna you know play a long time in this league, and hopefully goes and rips it up and win, wins rookie of the year next year. Right? We've seen crazier things happen. Right. Exactly, and that's part of that motivation. Like I was saying, and you know, he just absolutely you know get in there, play your game, and you know help um, Seattle be become a playoff team. You know, that's like it should be a goal. You know, be a good player, good good you know, kind of contributor to that, um, you know, youth build and that, that new organization and where they, where he can take it. He's going to be the face of that franchise along with Matty Bernays and they can, they can kind of do some really cool stuff together. Yeah. And there's some good veterans there to help him along and, you know, shout out to Yuri Slapshotsky, right? Good, Love it. Best of luck to him. The kid's a beast on the bike. That's for sure. We also that video that went viral. Yeah, I mean he's you know six four, two hundred and twenty pounds, and just I like some of his answers though too. You know he didn't have dinner with the Canadians or whatever it was, but he's like, um, I guess the conversation you know t- tasted better than the dinner. <laughs> was, yeah, I love it. I love his answer. swagger. Yeah, great answer, great answer. Uh, also, just touching on the draft, uh, you know it was good to see some multi-sport athletes. We talk about it all the time, but Baseball Canada tweeted a picture: uh, three players from the 13U uh, Baseball Manitoba team, all selected in the top 21 picks. So all three of these kids are on the same, you know, you know, under 13 baseball uh, team, which is really cool. So and all selected in the top twenty-one picks in 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 the draft. So Connor Geeky from uh, was picked by the Coyotes uh, early. I think what was he three? Uh, was he three, or five or something? Uh, no, he was like eight or something like that. Yeah, good call, by. Uh, Denton <laughs> Maddie Matichuk, uh went to Columbus, and Owen Pickering uh, went to uh, the Penguins. So pretty cool. We talk about you know kids playing other sports and things like that and you know not getting caught up in the hockey year round and stuff like that but those are three kids that were on that you know baseball manitoba team that were all picked in the nhl draft which is pretty sick that is cool i'm sure that team was pretty good to have 
three good athletes like that on it. Um, but it just shows uh, what we kind of promote here. It's, you you want to be a multi-sport athlete. You want to develop different skill sets. And then when you start kind of like specifying on hockey, per se, um, you can use those transferable skill sets to uh, to make you a better player. So, Yeah, I'm sure. That, I'm sure, like like you know, our son our Sunday sermon, they got away from the rink and they weren't playing hockey at the same time as baseball, right? They 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 let the seasons kind of take care of the sport and got away from the rink a little bit and probably had a blast with their buddies playing on that baseball team. So, really, really, that's that that's great stuff. Uh, before we get to our interview with JVR, let's talk about the shift group. Um, funny fact too: James Van Riemsdyk played at UNH with Bobby Butler, who. You know, uh, J.R. Butler is is the founder here of the Shift Group. So, uh, is your company looking to hire driven, competitive former athletes? Are you a former college or pro athlete in any sport trying to figure out what's next? Consider a meaningful career in technology sales, and let the Shift Group guide you every step of the way. The Shift the Shift Group is turning athletes into sales professionals. Reach out to them at shiftgroup.io or email them directly at jr at shiftgroup.io. It's a, it's a great thing they're doing. Jr. is a good man, and uh, like we talk about all the time, is you're you're acquiring skill sets when you're playing any sport. You know, we can talk about hockey because we lived it, but um, and then to transfer those into a meaningful profession, that's what these guys will do. So give them a, a shout. Uh, check them out at shiftgroup.io or Jr. at shiftgroup.io. And uh, I think now it's time we send it over to uh, James Van Riemsdyk. Obviously, you know, he's had a, a storied career from the national program to UNH and, uh, you know, a lot of times seven years or so with the Flyers and two different stops and, um, you know, some, some handful of years up in, uh, in Toronto. So it's a great interview with him and uh, hope you guys enjoy. And our next guest on the Rink Shrinks podcast was drafted second overall in 2007 NHL draft by the Philadelphia Flyers. He's currently played 879 NHL games for the Flyers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Please welcome to the show a fellow UNH Wildcat, James Van Riemsdyke. Thanks so much for having me. I'm just glad you didn't make me do the uh, the Wildcat uh the, the sound there that that someone just did right before that so uh, yeah Mots, that in my back pocket Mots yeah, is yeah, pretty that good pretty at that meow <laughs> 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 come on Mots, you got to give oh, us a little bit more credit than that yeah. <laughs> no it's great thanks for coming on james uh we've uh had a bunch of guests on some bc guys so by is all fired up to have a fellow wildcat on so thanks for taking all righty i love it i love it yeah, we're excited. We uh, obviously it's been a long time coming. We're on our seventy eighth uh, episode here, so it's it's nice to have a fellow. We had Coach Souza on, and uh, okay. we talked quite a bit about UNH and and things like that. But we we want to start things early on in the career. And you know, when did you guys you 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 know you and your two brothers growing up in New Jersey? Uh, you know, when did that passion for hockey develop? Like, what were your early memories of the game? Yeah, so I remember it started for us uh, with this uh, Wayne Gretzky VHS tape. It was called like Above and Beyond, I want to say. But uh, my dad would throw that on for us uh, at a pretty early age, and we'd be sitting there for hours just watching over and over again. Uh, I'd actually be curious to see if my parents still have it somewhere in our basement just because uh, I know they like to to save some stuff like that. But uh, it started with that, and then gradually we wanted to get on the ice, and we'd be in the garage. 
shooting hockey pucks and shooting tennis balls and stuff like that. But uh, definitely that uh, that VHS was a, was a big part of our uh, falling in love with the game of hockey. Yeah, that was a great VHS. I actually had it myself. Um, some great highlights there of him making moves and you go in the driveway and try and kind of duplicate it. And it was a great introduction to uh, the game of hockey. That and Hockey My Way were my two. Uh, Wayne Gretzky and um, VHSs that kind of got me going and you know it gets your brain going a little bit you know trying new things and but that's uh, a great introduction for you and your uh, your brothers yeah no absolutely it, it started with that and, and it was actually cool enough that uh, in Toronto um, I got to meet uh, Walter Gretzky and my parents got to meet him too so obviously having the background of that and getting a chance to meet him and seeing how gracious he was and uh, you feel like you know him a little bit just from stuff like that growing up um, so certainly, uh, so that was pretty cool. Now, when you, when you look back on your career, was it, was it, were you the type of kid that was kind of dominant at the might squirt level or was it, you know, something that you, you really had to work for? Um, yeah, I, I definitely was one of the better players, uh, on my teams growing up. Um, uh, I, I started, uh, at the brick hockey club and I kind of played there all the way up, uh, from squirts all the way through, uh, Bantam until I, or I guess I played one year midget and before I left for the U S program, but I definitely would say I was, uh, one of the, one of the better players on my team all the way, all the way through. And, uh, like, like I said, I was lucky enough to have a coach that kind of, uh, really kind of pushed us in, in the sense of, uh, okay, like here's stuff that you can work on when you're not at practice, because as we know, like sometimes ice can be, uh, especially in Jersey with, with the, with the weather there, like, it's not like you have, uh, ice is, uh, overly accessible a lot of the time. So it was great. And he was big on like, stick, stick handling the golf ball when you're at home or shooting pucks or, uh, jumping rope, um, just different things like that to kind of get the hamster wheel, uh, going, uh, as far as thinking about hockey, uh, when you're not, when you're not at the rink and just different ways uh, that you can get better, uh, when you're at home. What about, um, what did he emphasize silky mints around the, uh, the crease <laughs> well, that, that's probably just from messing around in the driveway with my with my dad and my brothers and with the golf ball and just trying just probably half the stuff that you try you you never get a chance to uh to use in a game but just getting that like imagination going and different things that maybe uh uh you become more comfortable with i think uh there's definitely a big part of that and i know in the in the driveway we'd always have a, a big thing where uh, we'd, we'd work on like saucing the puck into the crossbar and then firing into the crossbar and then being in tight doing stuff like that. So, so my dad was kind of coming up with just stuff for us to kind of play around with and, and things like that. And, uh, it, it occasionally would, uh, lead to tears between, uh, between one of the, one of me or my brothers, uh, it get pretty competitive, but, uh, but no, as we always, uh, were in the driveway, um, shooting pucks and doing stuff like that. No, that's great. I mean, that's something that we really, really try to emphasize here on this show is, you know, when you're not at the rink, there's only so many things that you can work on, right? But if you can, you know, get in the driveway or the backyard or, or you know, the local street hockey rink, whatever it is, and work on your game and do those little things with a golf ball or a tennis ball or, you know, whatever it is. Now that Nowadays, all those green biscuits and things like that, where you can handle them pretty you know, pretty well, and it, it does transfer over. But that's one skill, you know, the, the things that you can do with a stick and a puck it really does transfer over. Obviously, you're skating, it's very difficult to work on um, when you're not at the rink. But I think that's just it, that's just a great answer and a, just a great message that I think really is going to resonate with the, um, you know, with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, always having that uh, on the go a little bit. And then I was lucky enough, too, where our time was uh, – 
a pretty big uh, roller hockey, outdoor roller hockey town. So, uh, so I always had buddies that I could play with for that. So there was usually a few times a week we'd be heading over to the local uh, outdoor roller rink and uh, playing some stuff out there too. So, uh, so yeah, definitely a, a big part of, uh, of growing up was uh, games there. I'm sure there weren't too many tears for you being the older brother. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So what's the age difference between you know you two brothers? Yeah, both your brothers. So my uh, my middle brother Trevor, he's uh, two years younger than me, and then my youngest Brandon is uh, is seven years uh, younger than me. So you could obviously probably figure out who got picked on pretty good <laughs> growing <laughs> up, but uh, or I don't know if I'd even use the word picked on. But we were toughing him up for. Uh, for, for, for the rest of his life. So he's got that uh, mental toughness definitely dialed, dialed in. Oh, that's great. Some, some, I'm sure there was some, uh, you know, muffled tears. Hey, if you're crying, you're going in the house. And he just... Yeah, 100%. He, he just appreciated being out there with us too. So he loved that part of it, just hanging out with his older brothers and uh, stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, I definitely think there was uh, two sides to that for sure. Is that why uh, Trevor became a defenseman too? So you could work on just tip. You, you'd be the net front guy, and he could uh, fire pucks. So you can work on your, your hand-eye coordination and stuff. Yeah, that was part of it. But then, yeah, like I'd be the one dominating the puck probably in the basement and in the driveway. So they had no choice but to try to try to so try to get it from. Try it. to so, defend. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I think that's how that kind of kind of worked out. <laughs> So James, growing up in New Jersey, were there any other sports that you really took to? Um, you know, playing, you know, baseball, football, soccer, uh, outside of hockey. Yeah, so so growing up, I played uh, a lot of baseball and soccer, and basically played those all the way up and through uh, middle school, and then uh, just timing wise with high school hockey, club hockey, and stuff like that, it uh, became something that I really didn't have as much uh, a time to give uh, in a more organized. Uh, situation like that but uh even so like there'd be stuff like in the summers with my buddies uh um playing soccer wiffle ball and stuff like that a little bit of baseball things things like that so i definitely still enjoy uh doing stuff like that even to this day how's the the golf game golf game is trash i'm a terrible uh terrible golfer i think my best golf days were probably when i was in high school when i did uh I played a little bit more frequently then. Now I'm a big tennis player, so I, I play a ton of that in the summer, probably twice a week. Um, so I have a couple guys out here that I play with. Actually, J- Justin Hall uh, with the Leafs, we, we try to play uh, as much as we can. He's pretty good. Um, he's right around the corner from me out here. So uh, usually uh, – and he's got the bug bad for, for tennis right now, so he's texting me usually uh, a few times a week. And now with the, with the two kids, it makes it a little bit tougher to find the time to go play, but uh, I definitely love to get out there. And play as much tennis as I can. Are you a baseline guy or you know cut shot approach? No, right at right, just my bread and butter, right to the right to the net and putting the, the quick little uh, hands plays right at the net. It's kind of reminds me a little bit of my hockey game. So uh, so yeah, definitely that's my style. A little uh, what they call it, serve and volley. So that's that's my game. Have you tried pickleball yet? I love pickleball too. That's uh, I got a. In my in my gym at my house, I have a smaller kind of condensed version of it uh, set up usually. So that's that's one that's getting uh, getting a lot of more attention lately. I feel like so I only just started that one probably last summer, but that one's a lot of fun too. All so the racket sports, pretty much. I I had my first like we have a cottage down in Marshfield, and we my wife and my son and my um, my sister we went down and played, and it was the most insane like intense old people sport that i've ever 
like there was an open court. So like, Hey, can we play there? And they're like, no. And I'm like, uh, all right. Like, and we, and they were like, so then we finally get onto a court and they're rotating. They're going from, I think there was five courts. So they're going like yeah. one, two, three, four, five. And so we're like in the middle of a the game, they just stopped rotating around and they were doing this whole thing. I'm like, I've never had more anxiety playing. Like, I like it a lot, and, like, we play a lot with my wife and, and yeah. uh, kids and, and you know, even buddies, like, more one-on-one. But these people, now we're, like, hitting balls into their court, and they're, like, <laughs> I'm, like, one of these 75-year-olds yeah. is going to, like, roll an ankle on my ball and, like, you know. Oh, they're going to come after you, yeah. It was a straight-up, like, I've never had anxiety in my life till like, playing pickleball on this course. Like, I felt like I was in Naples and just some, like, bunch of <laughs> lunatics. It was crazy, crazy. Oh man, that's good. But yeah, it's a great game. Awesome. Yeah, he, he's really he's really taken to it. He's, yeah. uh, he's on like this training regimen, and he's looking to maybe make the national team. The uh, you know, he's when he gets forty, he's he's waiting yeah. to make the over forty uh, national team. Well, after that's seeing these seven these seventy year olds play, though, I don't think that uh, I'll be playing anything. Like they they're pretty good though. They they're pretty legit not i don't have enough time to practice maybe when i hit the retired life so another 30 years that's great stuff what position in baseball did you play growing up uh, i played a uh, pitcher and uh in center field so that was for baseball like I, as much as i loved playing it uh i don't think there was enough action coming from uh playing hockey and, and loving that and always being in, in the play and things like that and then with baseball a lot more uh kind of waiting around but um so, you know, it got to a certain point where I just uh, maybe got a little too uh, too much on the go for uh, for enjoying it as much as I did when I was younger. Right. Now, I'm you talked about. about going to, you know, the national program, um, you know, going out there and being surrounded by, obviously, great coaching and, you know, basically now hockey's your 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 job. Like, talk about that experience and, and what it was like and what it did for your career, playing with guys like, you know, Patrick Kane and, and, and guys like that out at, at the NCDP. Yeah, so, so that part of it was great. I mean, um, it certainly throws you right into the environment of basically what it's like in college hockey and professional hockey and, and stuff like that. So just the way you kind of get treated, the way the schedule is, and uh, all, the, all the training that they're having you do, whether it's, uh, again, we did uh, obviously more traditional stuff in the gym. We did power skating. We had a boxing coach. Um, we had uh, kind of mental skills coaches, so they really gave you a ton of resources to try to uh, just to show you, I think, all the stuff that goes into kind of working on your craft and improving um, your game and stuff like that. So uh, definitely was, uh, again, I remember those first few months, uh, a big culture shock just because, uh, again, it was uh, pretty tiring, pretty taxing, and you're away from home and stuff like that. But uh, um, again, uh, you're kind of in it in the, in the same boat as like uh, all the guys out there, all your teammates. So I think you have a, a unique bond uh, because of all that stuff. And um, I definitely uh, look back on those years super fondly with uh, some of the some of the guys I got to uh, to play with and experience that with. And um, just uh, I think it did a really good job of helping set me up for the rest of my career with uh, with kind of the stuff that I, I learned in my uh, two years there for sure. That's great stuff. I mean, one thing that we talk about is trying to find a routine, you know, although they were kind of guiding you along the way with the resources, but that was one of the biggest pieces of advice is that I got, get into a routine that you can duplicate each day, um, you know, whether it be a practice or a game, 
and it sets you up it sets you up mentally to to be the best you can once you get on the ice so um that's something that you know we kind of stress here as well you know find something that you can do warm up cool down take care of yourself and that's uh getting that guidance early is uh was invaluable i'm sure for like you said setting you up for college and then you know into your pro career yeah absolutely and i think you said it just the routine aspect i think uh it, it, pretty much anything in life, but uh, a lot of times sports, it's just there's so much stuff that's outside of your control. So if there's a little slice that you can have to get yourself ready that uh, is in your control and using that time to really kind of get yourself uh, um, feeling the way you want to feel and uh, mentally kind of in that frame of mind that you're going to go practice or play or whatever it is, I think there's uh, a lot to be said for that aspect of it as well. So like you said, it, I think having a good routine is, is super important to want to be the best version of yourself and also to do that for a, a consistent uh, period of time. So uh, I think you definitely have a longer, longer uh, kind of uh, lifespan if you're, if you're able to develop something like that, that works for you. Now, can you talk about the, you know, I guess the overall decision to, you know, stay with the NTDP and go the college route. I know obviously, you know, you and, and, Kaner were there. He made the decision to go to the OHL. Like, was going major junior ever an option for you, or was you know college and getting that education um, more of the focus for you and your family? Yeah, growing up, it was it was always kind of uh, the, the college side of things, and uh, going that route. Uh, I think at my second year um, in Ann Arbor, there was um, uh, I think the Brampton Battalion. That was the team who had my rights, and they kind of reached out to let it know, let me know it was an option, but there was no pressure as far as if I, that's if I was already committed to going the school route, which I was. And, um, yeah, I think that was, uh, good from the hockey perspective, but also good uh, for, uh, as far as kind of helping you grow up a little bit, just in the sense of, uh, you're, you're living on your own there. And, um, obviously you're managing all these different things and paying bills for the first time. So stuff like that, uh, little life skills that kind of help you grow up a little bit as well. So I definitely uh, am glad I got to experience uh, that along the way. Can you talk to us about your decision to go to UNH? Yeah, so um, basically going into that whole process, I didn't really have a clue. Like like in New Jersey, there's not a ton of, uh, minus Princeton, not a ton of uh, college hockey that you're really growing up around or, or uh, seeing seeing stuff as, as, as it is probably more frequent uh, in New England. So I kind of went in with a pretty open mind. Um, I, when I got down to it, I think I was between uh, UNH and Michigan, and ultimately I wanted to come uh, a little bit uh, closer to home, and I, and I felt uh, just I connected well with, uh, with the coaches uh, at UNH, and at that time it was uh, Dickie Milley, Scott Boric, and uh, David Lasson. So... Um, so yeah, I thought those those guys um, again we're gonna we're gonna do wonders to help my career and uh, help me get to the, where I wanted to go. So um, so that was a big part of it, and I thought we'd have a good team at UNH, and it was gonna be a good uh, college experience with the atmosphere and stuff at the Wit and, and things like that. So uh, I remember watching uh, BY walk the blue line on the PP a little bit, and some of. Uh, some of my uh, recruiting uh, visits or whatever, I think the fake slap shot might have been your go-to, uh, the, big, the big pump fake, if I remember correctly. But, uh, but no, I'm, I'm glad I made the choice that I did for sure. Who would you stay with on your recruiting trip? So I, I kind of got 
a little bit robbed for for that from that part because I came in the summer. So like my recruiting trip was uh, and and it was uh, who was there? It was uh, Jamie Fritch, um, Joe Charleboy, I think Brian Foster. So I stayed with those guys, but I didn't get the full UNH um, fall fall <laughs> fall season um, sort of experience. I got a little taste of it in the summer. Um, which again, those guys were, were great to me, but uh, it was definitely a little bit different than uh, being there when uh, when all when all the students are in session. Because does that explain why you wore those like knee high cockies to the first ever party you had up at UNH? I heard you had a <laughs> top, top <laughs> pair of dockies on. Yeah, that could be me. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt. Uh, I was talking to Matt Fornataro, who was obviously a yeah. senior when you were a freshman. Yeah. I'm like, hey, yeah. you got any JVS? He goes. Dude, ask him about the pair of cockies he wore to the first ever party we had up there. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah, hopefully those things are uh, burned out. But uh, I think I unfortunately know which pair he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they might come back. You never know. It always comes back. You never back know. Around, it always right? comes gotta, back. It's, it's a cycle, yep, as I found out. <laughs> yeah, it's like a 20-year cycle, so you got a little time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, my, my wife went to UNH, so, you know, I can say the better half went to UNH, yeah. but getting up there on campus and really cool uh, spot, you know, especially in the summertime. So um, definitely a good decision. Coach Humili was, you know, as BY has spoken about a bunch, but a uh, great guy, great coach. So good decision. Uh, he spent two years there. And can you talk to us about the draft and, Kind of leading up to that, you know, we're in the the time time here where there's free agents and um, you know whatnot coming out of college. But could you talk to us about your kind of experience leading up to the draft? Yeah, so like I mentioned, when I uh, got to like uh, the U.S. program, like my my goal at that point was just again, I really wanted to get a Division One scholarship, playing college, and didn't really know what to expect. Other than that, like obviously, I loved the game and like would love to play in the NHL, but didn't know how realistic that was. So um, kind of uh, through my first year at the U.S. program, as I started to get a little bit more adjusted and comfortable, I started to do a little bit better. And then you start to hear from uh, your family advisor that, uh, that you, where, you, where you sit with some of these, with some of the scouts as far as like the draft rankings and stuff. So, so after that first year, I think I was started to get, starting to get ranked around the first round and things like that. So that kind of, was a wake up call in the sense of, wow, like this is something that again, obviously still a long way to go, but this is something that is within my grasp to, to, to make this happen. So um, going into that second year at the U S program, I think, um, I think I got a little bit of confidence from that too, just, just because uh, being from Jersey, it's, you're never really talked about too much in the sense uh, of like uh, the best kids from uh, Massachusetts or Minnesota or Michigan or places like that. It's a little bit more, um, non-traditional in that sense so you don't really know where you stack up until you're kind of out there competing um, with guys like that on a daily uh, basis so I think uh, just getting some of that kind of um, affirmation definitely um, definitely helped confidence wise and then going to that next year um, really helped me hit the ground running uh, from that so I think yeah just going into that year I think I, same sort of thing I still uh, was getting better and better as uh, the year went on and then Going into the draft, uh, looked like I was going to have a chance to get picked uh, pretty high. So that that whole experience going into the draft was 
was uh, was pretty surreal. And um, I had like 15 of my closest friends that I grew up with in New Jersey that all made the drive over to Columbus um, to come watch and come support me and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, that looking back on those times, it was definitely uh, definitely a, a memorable uh, memorable weekend. And uh, was lucky to have the the support of uh, a lot of my my family and closest friends there too which made it even better so uh so yeah looking back at all that uh it's definitely crazy now that i'm thinking that you guys said before 15 years ago 2007 so uh seems like yesterday but uh yeah, definitely a, a super memorable uh day for sure can you talk You're about right. like your your parents and you know you, you it seemed like you guys had a you know, very just humble upbringing where it was like one step at a time. And nowadays, like, and, and, you know, this is a big reason why we do this podcast is like, you know, parents, like everybody's like, oh my God, and my kid's got to play in the NHL and my kid's got a division one scholarship. And it seems like you, you guys always had just the mindset of like, Hey, one se- season at a time, one step at a time. But can you talk about like your parents and their influence and, you know, what they did along the way? And like, did you feel pressure from them or, or like, what was their overall mindset? Cause you know, again, it's, we do have a lot of parents that listen to the show and I think it'd just be good to hear kind of their thought process on it. And, and that being said, we've, we've had, you know, definitely guests on the show that parents have been like, put a lot of pressure on their kids. You know what I mean? And, and I think, you know, again, it's, you know, everybody's got to create their own path. So can you just talk about your parents? I guess my question is talk about your parents kind of approach throughout this whole thing from the development program, draft, college hockey, pro and, it, you know, et cetera. Yeah, my, my parents' approach was great, I thought, growing up for us. I mean, uh, for them, they just wanted to see us happy. So as long as we were passionate about something and doing something uh, that we loved and not just sitting around the house uh, watching TV all day, I think uh, they were happy to support us and take the time out of uh, um, of their lives to, to drive us to all these places and help us kind of uh, accomplish our dreams. So that was kind of their um, sort of mindset through the whole thing. I mean, growing up... Uh, it was a little bit different when um, my youngest brother started to come up, but for me, like I played at the same tier two hockey club from the time I was a squirt till the time I was a uh, uh, in uh, in midgets uh, or whatever it was. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I know that uh, tends that's tend to have shifted. I think a little bit nowadays, and who knows, maybe there's a reason, right or wrong, for that. But certainly, that was kind of our the way we approached it. And I we got a chance to play with my friends all the way all the way through and um, really enjoyed uh, enjoyed it and had those the bond of, of doing that and um, the commitment of doing it that way I thought um, I think t- taught you some taught me some good life skills uh, uh, through that but but yeah their approach was just wanting to support us uh, through those things and uh, want us to, if we're if they're gonna again put, put all this time and effort and money into supporting us they just wanted us to work hard at it and do something that we loved so obviously that ended up being hockey for the three of us but um but yeah that was kind of their their mindset and how they've always viewed it uh with us growing up that's great yeah as you know from a young age uh the parents can have you know a positive influence and negative influence and like by said there's different approaches but we try to kind of just can give our opinions and it's great for you to kind of share your upbringing and your parents approach because um, it obviously worked for all three of the van reams like Rams, van reams like so as far as Spit that it out yeah. <laughs> and as far as uh you know just that having a little bit of guidance uh for the parents that's kind of important too that's what we like to uh, promote here 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, again, that's such an influential part of all of our lives is just the, the support that you get uh, from your parents. So uh, my brothers and I are definitely lucky that uh, to have the support that we've had um, from our parents and how they've helped us along the way and basically try to chase down our dreams and accomplish the goals that we've had, uh, had set out. So, uh, so yeah, it's, that's, uh, hopefully I can do the same for my kids uh, going forward now. Oh, that's great. I mean, you, you played your two years up at UNH and obviously had a, a heck of a career. Obviously, I'm sure Coach Humilly would have loved to have seen you there for at least another one. But, um, you know, made, you made the decision to just sign with Philadelphia, who drafted you, and you got a little taste of it playing, um, you know, with the Phantoms. But can you talk about that, that move to pro hockey and what was, you know, what was that like and what it did for your overall career? Yeah, so going back into into that decision, I, after my freshman year, the, definitely a little bit of pressure to, to get me to sign, to come out early, but I, my reason for wanting to go back was um, I thought, again, we were going to have a good good team at UNH. I knew for the World Juniors, I thought we were going to have a good chance to, to maybe win that too. So there was some things I definitely felt like as far as like unfinished business, like there was that bond I, I mentioned that uh, from playing at the U.S. program, having with those guys, so I thought – getting a chance to try to see that through with those guys was, was going to be important and uh, just wanted to really make sure that I was uh, kind of dominating the, the level I was leaving to before I made the next uh, jump. So that's kind of what went, in, went into me going back for that second um, second season and then deciding to make the jump after that year and, and going into Philly. So I think uh, that, that second year definitely was great as far as uh, – helping a little bit with that maturity and uh, just, again, growing into my body a little bit more and being a little bit more mentally and physically ready for, uh, for doing it as a job uh, at that point. So, um, so yeah, those are kind of all the, I guess, factors that went into the decision. And I'm glad, uh, again, I guess, so I signed my contract in the spring, I think, of uh, my after, right after my sophomore year, and I got to play on a PTO or an ATO with uh, the Phantoms, and I think, that was huge too, just to get a small taste of it before I went home to train that summer, just to kind of see what, see the level and see, um, I think it was, I believe, yeah, it was like 11 games and I think eight of them were against the Hershey Bears. So, uh, they they were, they were, they were pretty much, uh, a wagon back then. They, uh, they, I think they probably won seven of those eight games that we, <laughs> that we played them and they were pretty good, but that was a good, I think, uh, taste and, um, kind of welcome to pro hockey just so I can get a sense of, uh, the level I needed to get to and have a little bit of experience, at least going into the training camp uh, the next year. So I thought that was definitely important. Yeah. I feel like that's invaluable for you to get a little taste and in the minors, it's good. Like that adjustment, you know, just to see what it takes to be a pro that routine that we talked about earlier, finding your routine. And then you get into training camp the following year and there's some familiar faces and it's not like going in eyes wide open. So for sure, uh, I just remember that, I don't know if you remember, but the following year when you're playing with Philadelphia, we were playing in um, New Jersey, and you know I, I knew you, I, you know, follow your career through the uh, the Lemas because they were close uh, friends, and you know we lined up on a face off. You know, you're playing left wing, I'm playing right. It was a D zone face off. Like, dude, it's like a haunted house in here with all your skeletons. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, he's just like looking at me like. Oh. I got at least I got a little smile out of him. Oh my god, that's great! Yeah, that that's actually one of my 
of my rookie year. Like I do remember like little stuff like that where like you'd have different, whether it's American born guys or guys that played college or whatever that went out of their way to be like, okay, like welcome to the, uh, to the NHL. I remember Doug Waite, like one of my first couple games, um, did that. So that was, that was pretty cool too. And then actually a funny story about, uh, about Keith, about my first game against him. So I, I'd never met him before. And this was like probably the second half of my first season. And so I, 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 all I knew about Keith was that he was supposed to go to UNH, uh, whatever, it didn't work out. And he ended up uh, going to the queue. And, um, and, and then obviously fast forward, however many years it was later, he's in Phoenix, I'm in uh, Philly. So we're out there for the same sort of situation at a, at a face-off. And I, I don't know him at all. Obviously, I know of him. And he, and he looks over at me and he goes, sorry. And I look over at him and I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And I'm like, I'm like, sorry. He's like, he's like, yeah, you know, if I, if he's like, if I would have been at UNH, you would have a, you would have a national title and a Hobie Baker in your back pocket. And then the puck drops and we start playing. That was my first interaction with them. And it was unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, just little stuff like that of, uh, of guys kind of going out of the way to make you feel comfortable, uh, or just like give you a, a little bit of acknowledgement definitely is a pretty cool thing about our game. I think. No, that's awesome. That's a hilarious, <laughs> typical KY story. But I, you know, just to—I mean, it must be pretty intimidating when you you look at the roster from your rookie year, and you got guys like you know Mike Richards, Jeff Cotter, Chris Pronger, Danny Briere. Obviously, Claude Giroux was still a young guy. Scotty Hartnell, Simone Gagne, like unbelievable, like guys that you grew up kind of. You know, I'm sure watching I mean, a guy like Pronger had been in the league for about 20 years. It felt like at the time, so. What was it like, you know, walking into that first, you know, professional training camp? Yeah, I mean, you said a lot of uh, a lot of characters, a lot of experience, a lot of older guys. I think it's a little bit different than now, where like uh, the average age is probably a little bit uh, younger, and then there's lots of guys that are, again, on the 18, 19, 20, 21 year old range of things. So walking into that locker room with guys like that was definitely. Uh, a little intimidating, but uh, I can't say enough uh, about how those guys really made me feel comfortable and really kind of helped me uh, get off to a good start and kind of set me up to have a um, just to, to, for the tools that you need to have a successful career, be a good player, play for a long time. So, I mean, particularly, I mean, guys like I remember the summer before even I, I was in Philly, I had guys like uh, Jeff Carter and um, and uh, I think Richie was there for some of this too, but like just just little things like had me come to the Phillies game with them just to like feel comfortable with the guys and stuff like that. And Chris Pronger had me over to his place for a barbecue and um, guys like Danny Breer, Scotty Hartnell, like just, just great advice that I've gotten from them over the course of my first few years, especially um, just to, whether it's stuff like advice for how to deal with injuries or uh, different moments, uh, to be aware of when, when you don't even maybe realize uh, how good of an opportunity you're getting in certain situations, like guys like that were like, Hey, make sure you take advantage of this. Like this will set you up uh, or whatever it may be, just little stuff. So, I mean, Aaron Asham, Daniel Carcillo, uh, tons of guys, chemo teaming. And so, um, yeah, I was lucky to play with it. Like you said, it was intimidating for sure at first, but it ended up being probably the best thing for me to, to be in a locker room like that, where you had all that, that experience um, that you're able to lean on and they're able to kind of help, uh, help you get, get off on the right foot. Which one of those legends gave you the nickname officer doofy? <laughs> so that's, that's great too. That's so somehow 
that, that's been this is like a master class in PR by Scott Lawton. So I so when I got to Philly, all the guys called him Officer Doofy because he looks like Officer Doofy from Scary Movie. So all of a sudden, he starts calling me Officer Doofy because I like calling him that. And now all of a sudden, everyone that comes in now thinks I'm Officer Doofy when they're when the OG Officer Doofy is Scott Lawton. So I, it's it's honestly it's 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 almost he flipped the script on you. It's ingenious what he did there. I don't know because again, I don't know if people have seen the movie or not. The reason behind yeah, yeah, yeah. is because he's the doppelganger for Officer Doofy. So so it's funny how that that got flipped around on me. But hey, if that's that's the way it goes sometimes with nicknames. You gotta you gotta be able to take it. <laughs> That's so good. You're talking about those, uh, you know, that team. You know, was, you had great leadership, great supplemental leaders, but everyone could play. Everyone played a hard style. Um, it was always tough going into that building and, and playing on you know, the forecheck and the cycles. You guys did a really good job at the long cycle using the back of the net. And then the Pico power play. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, here they come again, you know? So, um, yeah, just as as far as, like, you know, growing up in, in the area and, and playing for Philly, um, what was that like, you know, getting your first taste of the NHL and, and being pretty close to home? Yeah, so so that was really cool for me, um, like you mentioned. Uh, so I, I grew up more towards, like, New York and uh, going to probably more Rangers and uh, Devils games growing up. But obviously being so close, like, it was nice, like, if ever stupid stuff, like when you're a 20 or 21-year-old kid, you're like, oh, like uh, – or I guess I was 20 my first year, but hey, I, mom, I need some help with my laundry. Do you mind coming down? And she'd be down and help me out. Or if I wanted to go home for a home-cooked meal, um, I could do that too. So that that definitely helped uh, the adjustment. And, and again, like I said, as great as the guys were with me, like they were just as good with like my with my with my family and my parents. Like I, I I think to this day, even like some of my dad's favorite teammates that I've had were from that team, just because he had guys like. Aaron Asham or Scotty Hartnell, Dan Carcillo, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, like if those guys like were ever out or whatever after a game, everyone's getting a beer or something like and I was somewhere with my dad, they'd be like, hey, come on over. And like they like kind of engage with him. And he tells those stories still to this day about about stuff like that. So so again, especially as a as a younger guy like that goes a long way as far as um um, just the example that those guys set uh, about how to be a good teammate and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, definitely some uh, some memorable things from uh, from 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 those guys. I mean, I know like even like my first year, like it, it was it was pretty incredible. Like if anyone even looked at me from the other team, like Aaron Asham, who was my linemate for a lot of that year, was was right in there and like making sure that the person didn't have a staring problem or something. So it was uh, it was pretty great to have. Uh, have guys like that uh, in your corner, and um, yeah, that was a, a pretty cool to kind of um, get that sort of uh, introduction to, to pro hockey in that way. It's pretty easy to be the toughest guy on the ice when you have Ash on your right <laughs> exactly. wing. Exactly, pound yeah. for pound, one of the toughest kids that I've ever seen. Oh, for sure. It was. It was honestly like it was. It was impressive uh, to see. He was uh, underrated skills too. Like great little half slapper that exactly. uh, he liked, and he was. He was. A, he was a big fan of his own saucer pass too. And he actually had a really good so- a saucer pass. I I know that, but he loved. Uh, he loved. Uh, loved. Loved reminding me that. So. Uh, so no, that was great. Oh, that's awesome. Can you talk about, obviously, you know, you start your career with Philly, they drafted you, and then, you know, after a few years, for whatever reason, like, you, you get traded up to Toronto, and 
Um, you know, what was that like? What was it like for your confidence and things like that? Yeah, so I, I looking back, like that was obviously a pretty huge moment, uh, sort of in my career. Like the the first three years that I played in Philly, like obviously I came in in a different situation. I think than most high draft picks, like usually you're coming on to a team that's probably in a little bit of a longer rebuild. Whereas I got drafted, and I think the next year they kind of retooled the team and made it to the um, made it to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So that was even before I got there. So I was kind of joining a pretty stacked roster. So like I had to be a little bit more patient um, as far as waiting for an opportunity to maybe get a chance to spread my wings a little bit more. Um, but yeah, and going to those three years was again sort of wanting to. Um, get a chance maybe to take that next step and uh, take a little more um, bite a little bit more off as far as getting a little bit ch getting a chance to play a little bit bigger of a role and things like that so obviously getting traded to a team like Toronto um, and getting a chance to go there to, to to play some more minutes and obviously didn't have as much depth maybe at the start as we started to do, do towards the end so I got a chance to really play um, a little bit more right away but uh, Playing for, for the Leafs was a uh, pretty incredible experience overall. I mean, looking back at that, that'll definitely be some of the best years of, uh, um, that I've had in my life, just uh, being part of something as big as that where it's just like the, the passion of uh, the, the fan base and um, it's just, uh, just, it just it knows no ends as far as just uh, everywhere you go, basically in Canada, like there's Leaf fans uh, – all across the country and the support you kind of got every in every building was um was pretty uh pretty impressive and pretty insane but uh to be part of kind of all that uh um all, all that where you're part of something that's so much bigger than yourself uh was pretty sweet so i definitely uh kind of look back fondly on those years and by we uh he would drive into the rank every every day in the yeah. uh during the training camp the weston <laughs> the weston harbor, harbor side yeah. or whatever it was yeah Mott was Mott was the grizzly vet, and you was still driving him around, huh? <laughs> he saw me walk with yeah. my bag. Mott's a thumb into the rink. <laughs> I think this I, dude might need a might need a ride. Uh, can I, I you... will say we we did have date night one night, and uh, we went to the movies. What'd you say? Yeah, I'm trying to remember that now. Yeah, who was that? Who else was with us for that? Who else was at the whole? I'm trying. Was it T.J. Brennan, maybe or? There was another guy, I forget who it was, uh, yeah. but like the whole, I mean, we went and saw This Is 40. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And like he kept his mouth shut the whole time. And all of a sudden, oh my I'm God. like, I'm looking over at him. I'm like, dude, you're on the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's good. Yeah. How did that all play out? I was a, uh, it was hilarious. I remember the first time seeing him. I'm like, I think that's JVR. Like, and, and, and Hotno and, the one uh, it was oh, yeah. Kurt, yeah, and but the there was like a real actor, right? Kurt Russell and uh, Goldie Hawn's son. There was yeah, he Wyatt like the, Russell, yeah, Wyatt, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was like the real actor, and but you guys all you you got a little piece in there. Yeah, so that that was crazy how that all came about. Like obviously, kind of a cool bucket list sort of uh, moment because can't say I ever thought I would have something like that in the cards. Um, <laughs> Especially with my with after after the khakis I had on my first week at uh, UNH, but uh, um, no, but so I think the way it worked out was they needed uh, a hockey player without any teeth who had their green card, 
and I think it was Ian LaPerriere had some, uh, he had his green card and he, from playing all those years out in LA, like had some contacts out there and they, and they needed some people to come with him. And there wasn't many Americans on the team or guys that had their green card at the time. So I kind of just stumbled into it. They asked me if I wanted to go and I'm like, I, why, why not? not? Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. So, so yeah, we were there for pretty, it was pretty like, I, you definitely have a different sort of respect for uh, the actors after going through the day that we did for like the, whatever it was like 60 seconds of airtime. Like we were there from like five in the morning to like maybe two at night. So like almost like a 24 hour day just for that small little uh, clip that we are in the movie. But uh, yeah, that's just kind of how it came up. And I'm like, yeah, this, this uh, can't, can't turn this down. And yeah, it was pretty cool. We got to meet uh, Leslie Mann and Megan Fox, Judd Apatow. Um, and they were super cool to us. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, getting a chance to do something like that, like that, uh, yeah, it was, I, can't, I still can't believe that that, that happened, but uh, definitely. Don't you get, I still, uh, is, is it the, when you're in a movie like that, do you get a royalty check, like a dollar yeah, a year or a, something? It's, it's, a, it's a couple hundred bucks every year. So, wow. Uh, Gas money. So, yeah, it's actually, yeah, it, 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 kind of nice. So, yeah, you get that. And then I'll always, even to this day, like I'll get texts, uh, just random texts every once in a while, like, hey, like, were you and this is 40? And I'm like, yeah. Like, and what's, I don't know when the movie came out. It must have been like 2013 or 20. I was going to say, I think it was 2010. So, 10 years later, I, st- I still got the. <laughs> Still got the uh, still got the messages from that, so pretty funny. That's, that's awesome. So, that's fun. Yeah, I, I like that you have the appreciation. It's like you know, they, you see the finished product, but you know the time and energy and effort that goes into making a movie must be crazy. You know, you're just there for a whole day, and you're just yeah. sixty seconds of the spot. Yeah, sixty seconds of it. That's it. So yeah, that was uh, there's something to see that. Yeah. Uh, during your time in Toronto, obviously you got a chance to play with Phil Kessel, who's obviously just kind of a legendary character of the game, uh, like many that you play with. But can you give us a good Kessel story? Yeah, let me think of a good one. Jeez, um, so maybe one that I that I haven't told before. Um, yeah, so he's like uh, obviously like all time. Like he's the type of guy too that like any time I'd have like. Like, for, like when I had buddies that had came visited me that met him before they'd ever asked me. Like, say they texted me a few weeks later, they'd be like, "Hey, I was like, how you doing?" They'd be like, "Tell me something funny about Phil from this week," just because like that's just the type of uh, character he was. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what what's a good one. Um, what's a during, good one with him? During I training mean, camp, I was in the shower. I'm like, yeah. I had to turn around. I couldn't look at him. Like receding hairline, like fuzzy, you know, body, like, and he just sucked it up, just talking, just talking. I was like, it was like that scene out of Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds just all soaped up in the shower. Yeah, so like, like me and him, like we had great chemistry on the ice, and I definitely will say that he was probably uh, a big part of me being able to take another step in uh, my career, just like the chemistry we had, and he was. Again, just such a unbelievable player. So, like, obviously, he gets traded to Pittsburgh, and uh, like we're playing against each other for for the first time. And I think it's off the opening draw. Obviously, he got the start um, against us, and um, I, I was lined up right across from him, and I whacked him right on the laces just to mess with him off the start, just to see what he would do because he's always kind of witty or whatever. But he, and he and he looks over at me and he goes, James. Don't forget who made you a player in this league. <laughs> and he just, yeah, and then just deadpans, doesn't smile, no nothing. The puck drops, and there we go. But uh, 
No, he uh, he was a lot of fun to play with uh, over the years, and we got a chance to, at the Olympics to play together too. So that was uh, that was pretty sweet, also. Um, yeah, you. But, yeah, I was going to actually. Character. 2014 uh, Olympics in Sochi. I mean, you, uh, Kessel, and Joe Pavelski had like you know really really like great success over there. Can you talk about that experience playing in the Olympics? And and you know I know the team probably didn't do as though, but you guys. You know, you guys had your guy, as they would say. Like, you guys played great. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty uh, pretty cool experience. Like, that was, uh, like, a big goal for me, I think. Uh, I remember going, um, just having that, not circle, but just wanting to, like, that was something that was really important to me. I had such great experiences representing the U.S. at the U18s, the World Juniors, and I think even I did a World Championship before that. But, obviously, the Olympics is the Olympics, and it's the best of the best. So, that was something that, that was really uh Really wanted to try to put my best foot forward to uh, to get on that team. So making that team was uh, was pretty special um, in that sense. And, I, and we found out actually in kind of a cool way too. Like it was right after the Winter Classic, and they announced the whole team, and you're kind of on uh, skating back up to like a platform um, in front of like however many hundred thousand people or so were there. So that whole experience around that was definitely. Uh, was pretty cool. And then yeah, over in in Russia, I, I think our team like we cruised through the round robin like pretty well like i think we we're the top uh top seed going into it and then we played canada um in the semis i think our line was doing really well too i think phil actually led the tournament in scoring so um even though we came in fourth uh he he had a great tournament um but yeah it was just one of those games against canada i think they beat us like one nothing or maybe with an empty netter or something so it's just when it's single elimination it's just stuff like that that's the way it goes sometimes unfortunately but uh but no, I thought again uh, we did a lot of good things in that tournament up until that point, and then you play against a really good team and it's a good game, and this is a pretty kind of boring game in the sense of uh, pretty defensive, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of the way it uh, it shook out uh, at that point. So yeah, representing your country and even like getting that experience at the national development uh, program probably kind of get that you know, representation, you know, that pride of putting on that jersey and then to be able to do it in the Olympics um, must have been quite a thrill. And, I was, you know, as far as Phil goes, uh, he, he doesn't get as much credit as he, sh- as he should as being a good passer, really oh, good passer in my opinion. And, you know, you going to the net and finding, you know, spots to be able to score from in tight, I'm sure that was part of the, uh, you know, chemistry that you had. Yeah, absolutely. He was great at that. Like the the two sort of plays I always would remember about him. He was really good at finding like the holes, whether it's like through the defenseman's triangle or through their feet, because he wasn't a really a huge uh, kind of like saucer pass guy. Like he'd always like hold the puck an extra second and slip it or uh, make the flat pass all the way all the way through on the ice. So like he had a, a gift uh, um, for doing that. And then on the power play, it was the same sort of thing. Like he. He was great uh, at finding those little holes for those little kind of like um, forehanded sort of Sidney Crosby-esque sort of like uh, like sideways tips. Like he was really good at finding that lane. And he almost beat goalies clean sometimes where he'd just fire the puck right on the ice and he'd get it off so quick and so hard that it would just go through my legs and then right in on the power play. So he was really good and deceptive. Uh, obviously, he's got the world-class uh, release on his shot, but yeah. um, his playmaking and hockey sense was uh, – was really underrated i thought yeah can you uh 
you know, you fast forward a little bit in your career in Toronto, but you start to see the, you know, the young likes of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and those type of guys. Uh, I was, I was on the ice today and I was trying to, you know, I had no goalies in the ice, a little skills thing that I do. And I'm like trying to teach kids like the old, like drag and shoot, um, you know, Matthews shot like that. He's just perfected, but you know, yeah. it's just like just watching those guys play, um, you know, and it, like firsthand. Can you just talk about the, the talent that they have up there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember uh, the first time being on the ice with Austin and uh, like obviously I think he, at that time he was 18. It was right before I think we were going to go to the World Cup. Um, and right away you're just like, this guy, this guy's special. This guy's going to be, this guy's going to be unbelievable this year. So I remember just thinking that right away. And then obviously he went into that tournament, um, did really well there. And then the first game with four goals and pretty four much, goals. uh, never looked back from there. So he was, uh, again, you could tell right off the bat with him. And then, uh, with Mitch, I got a chance to, so with Austin, like I never really played on the same line or on the same power play unit as him, but with Mitch, uh, we got a chance to play on the same line a lot, uh, particularly his first year and on the same power play unit for pretty much uh, his first two years. So uh, definitely got a chance to develop some good chemistry with him. And um, it, it's, I think those two guys, like the way they complement each other is, is uh, pretty, uh, pretty impressive too. I think uh, just what each guy does, I think, brings out the, the best parts of uh, the other guy's game too. So I think they fit together so well. So um so again i think that's great for uh for toronto obviously to have something like that where those two guys can can grow together but uh yeah they're both great in their approach i mean um they both love the game and um love being on the ice and stuff like that um so uh so yes yeah, it's, it's no, no surprise to see them have uh the kind of success they've had um already and it just seems like each year they keep finding sort of uh different levels to, to get to so that's from afar that's been uh been fun uh, fun to watch is there any backstory um as to why you had the the green mouthpiece yeah that's back he's with, the green uh, man the, the everything green, was green. The, yeah that's the, the, the green the brick, bean the, the brick hockey club so oh, really uh, so yeah so that um i i would try to have a little bit of stuff to uh um to kind of tribute uh back to back to my old uh club and my old coach that i mentioned before um, he started challenger hockey, um, at the club, maybe like probably, oh, well, probably now it's probably been almost maybe eight to 10 years ago. Um, so I know like they would, they would come, uh, to watch the games and be watching the games. So that was a little tribute to, so that those guys kind of knew that I was thinking about, uh, about them and was proud of, uh, where I came from playing through, uh, the brick hockey club as well. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of why I've always tried to keep at least a little bit of green, whether it's in the stick or in the mouth guard. Usually, it's the mouth guard that makes it through. Some some uh, some places more so than others don't really want the green in the stick as well. So I uh, usually just stick with the mouth guard. Oh, that's awesome. Well, apparently, Mott's this guy has so much stuff in his locker <laughs> that like it, it's just out of control. So there's probably green, yeah. you know, knobs and and everything yeah. hanging around. Can you tell that story about this year? Obviously, you're back in Philly, and you've been there for a few years now. But uh, do you know the story I'm referencing this year at the start of the season? There, there could be a few because I know at towards the end, like uh, Keith started to realize that I get a goalie bag for all my stuff. So he just <laughs> he was absolutely baffled by that. He's like, "There's no way! Like, how much stuff could you possibly need?" But yeah, like coming back, I think the start of the year, like I probably because I brought some stuff like. 
I'm always a guy that likes to tinker with things and try different skates or gloves or sticks or whatever. So like usually when I'm coming back, I'm bringing a bunch of stuff with me. So I probably had two stalls at the start of uh, before like before training camp started just to get my stuff like all organized and and, and that. And I'm sitting right next to Keith. We, had, we were right next to each other uh, in the locker room. And, and I remember him looking over at me and like he just couldn't believe it. I can't remember any specifics about that if what he would have said. But uh, yeah, Keith I said, know he was Keith said at the start of the year. AV was have it was like the first meeting of the season and he's like this guy has so much stuff in his stall he's like you know everybody's sitting around talking and AV's going around the room and whatever it's preseason meeting and he's like his locker just burst and like oh, oh yes I do remember this now yes, yes that this makes it even better so yes now we have the backstory for how much crap I like to have in my locker so I'm we're sitting there yeah he's having a obviously serious meeting like whatever and then all of a sudden my bench just breaks and i'm i'm right through to the bottom in the, in the locker all, all my steel all my tape all my gloves like i'm in a just mound of just crap so yeah, that, oh my god that, that is I, yeah i forgot about that that detail of that but that that's great oh, oh that's god. funny it's funny you say that though with all the stuff and that's especially you falling through it, like the big green bean off the goofy just falling through. But the uh, I was talking to the guys up at, at TSR Hockey, who's one of our sponsors yeah. of the show, the Sheehees, and they oh, yeah. said that yeah. you and, and your brothers, you know, from the days with the Monarchs and with Sean Trombley and stuff like that, but we're always up at the store and up at TSR and kind of, you know, like getting talking to those guys about equipment and different yeah. things like that so it's yeah, funny always you, uh, tinkering with stuff yeah that's funny yeah, yeah is that just something that that you started like later on in your career or just like what what, what are some specific things that you always kind of tinker with um so yeah so that i guess maybe i've always kind of been curious and interested and like it, it all comes from like uh kind of a performance kind of mindset where like obviously i know like all the different things like training body work um, even stuff like that I'm tinkering with just to try to maximize the results I can get so that when I go on the ice I can feel the best, play the best, whatever. So, like, obviously that's kind of translated a little bit into some of the gear now with, uh, with the stick and the lie and the curve and things like that and the height um, and then stuff for, like, the, the skates, whether it's a different pitch for your skates or different sharpenings or whatever it may be. So uh, there's... There's a, there's a pretty big rabbit hole that you could probably jump down if we wanted to get into all the nitty-gritty of that, but that's kind of the nuts and bolts of, uh, of different stuff that, uh, that I'm kind of uh, always kind of adjusting or always open to, to learning about to just try to uh, basically maximize uh, how I can play. If you send me your address, I have some uh, of my old, uh, my old sticks that uh, I could send out to you for maybe some training, training tools. <laughs> There we go. It, it, it was like a three and a half lie. It <laughs> yeah, has like no curve on it. Yeah. So if oh, you can stick in with that, you'll be able to do it with anything. <laughs> there we go. I know you do some work with with Adam Oates. Is that something that he's kind of involved in? And and can you just talk about what it's like learning from a guy like you know a Hall of Famer like him, who's also just a great hockey mind, obviously. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, like I mentioned, I've always kind of been curious of the different. Uh, aspects of, of training and trying to hone your craft and get better um so like when i started with them it, it came at actually at um 
the recommendation of uh, a former uh, UNH, uh, one of the, one of the um, managers who, who had worked with him too. And he was like, hey, you should think about this. Like, I know you're into this sort of stuff. Like, give it a try. So I, I, I didn't do it right away. But anyway, like a year later, I um, ended up doing like a call with him and just like the way that he's able to break down the game and um, tell you the whys of why certain things happen or how to improve a certain skill or how to, uh, um, how to basically get better is next level. So I think just, um, just the stuff that he's able to provide for that, like obviously it's mostly in the summer a lot of this stuff just because, um, again, there's only so much time um, during the season, but obviously just the different things you're working on um, on the ice uh, and stuff like that. It's a lot of just mastering mastering the basics and, um, and, and those little fundamentals just because as like, um, as he said to me, and uh, as it's pretty obvious, it's like every goal that gets scored, either someone's, someone's making a pretty big mistake or someone's making a, a pretty high level play. So if you can, the, the, more, the more mistakes you can minimize, or if you're, if you're, if you're able to control the puck better where you can have access to more of these plays, like it seems pretty kind of, obvious and dumb but when, when I when you when you start to think about it like that it's like okay like that's why all these little subtleties start to matter is because if I can not fumble the puck or not whiff on the puck or uh or whatever learn how to carry the puck better and skate with the puck better it's like you're going to open up all these other things for you so I think um for me just trying to expand my game and um bring some more of the sensations and more of the comfort maybe that I feel around the the net front and try to bring that more into different areas of my game is kind of just stuff that we're focused on. So I think um, just some of the detail that he's able to provide to help me do that uh, has been uh, pretty invaluable. Yeah, he's done a really great job at picking up the little details of the game that really matter. You know, like picking pucks up off the wall. You know, he's, I know he's really, uh, you know, high on a certain curve, you know, with the to be able to uh, do that with, with ease and like you look at Kucherov doing it all the time and it just make, it makes it look seamless, but that takes hours and hours of practice. And the very, like you said, very simple thing that you don't really practice um, enough, but it happens a lot in the game and mastering the basics is something that we talk about a lot. You know, and it's uh it's, it's really cool to be able to pick his brain. I've talked to him a few times and he's just, he's very adamant about, you know, his approach and you know, why, it, why it works. And, he can show you how, so it's it's uh, pretty cool that you can you have that access to him, and you know you you can you're a sponge still uh, at this stage in your career. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think even going back to some of those guys I played with earlier in my career, and I remember even Chris Pronger, and at this point, I think when I first played with them, he was probably 35, um, but I remember. So I think someone asked him a question, or someone in the media maybe asked him a question. Oh, like. Like, uh, like, are you still like, are you still learning? Are you still like, are you still trying to get better? And he's like, yeah, because as soon as you as you don't think you need to get better, you don't think you need to learn anything new is this, the day you'll be done. So um, getting that sort of first uh, firsthand look at him saying something like that kind of definitely helped um, maybe reinforce the mindset I had about some of those things where it's good to be curious. It's good to want to work at your game and uh, learn new things along the way. So that's kind of uh, try to really dive into that approach um, over the years uh, to, to just try to help help myself in any way that I can to, to be a better player. 
No, that's great stuff. And it's just, that's such a great lesson for our younger listeners, uh, how you can con continue to get better every day and, and, and work at it and be curious. I love that stuff. Uh, before we let you go, I think um, I want to ask you about the beauty league or dub, dub beauty league. I know yeah. it's a, a summer league, but can you explain to our kind of new England listeners and, and, you know, obviously people in Minnesota know what it is, but outside of that area, uh, it's pretty cool stuff. So can you touch on that? Yeah, so they do a great job. Um, I'm running it out here. I think um, it's a uh, it's a uh, Ben Hankinson and Chris McAlpine who work for Octagon, and they um, they set this up probably five or six years ago, where it's just a summer four on four league, and uh, a lot of the money that gets uh, raised goes to different charities or different causes and things like that. So it's uh, it's it's pretty cool, and it's a it's actually kind of a packed house at this uh, local rank, like maybe. 1,500, 2,000 people usually every week. So people are supporting it pretty well. And um, it's definitely a good way to kind of get back into that uh, sort of competitive uh, environment um, as the summer goes along too. So uh, it's uh, it's been pretty uh, pretty fun thing to, to be a part of and play. And um, yeah, I think it's like year six or seven now. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So what's the format? Is it four on four? Yeah, four on four. So it's um, a good amount of uh, like uh, NHL and other pros. And then I think some different like college or junior guys get kind of mixed in based on if guys can't make it or whatever like that. So um, it stays, uh, it's actually pretty quick out there and uh, it stays pretty intense, especially the, as you get some, uh, some more of the, uh, the youngsters out there that are, that are buzzing around. So, uh, so that's good too. It gets you kind of in that uh, different uh um, environment for that so so I definitely uh, definitely enjoy it and um, yeah year like I said year six or seven I think it is so it's it's been fun game one tonight game one tonight yep uh, awesome Awesome. Well, you gotta we'll get see. your pregame nap in. Yeah, exactly, I'm sure you, well, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you, <laughs> your two young kids are waking up from their nap here soon. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, JVR, we can't thank you enough for for jumping on with us. This has been great, and uh, you know, just so many lessons that uh, our our listeners can take from you. So, really appreciate you coming on. All right, no worries, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, that was a great interview with James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, Mots, what'd you think about him? Well, I think he's a gentleman on and off the ice. He, he you know, presents himself so well. Um, he's liked by all his teammates. He just goes about his business. Uh, you know, he knows his strengths. He's always around the net, good tipper, not afraid to be there. Uh, but it's really cool to hear him saying, like, he tinkers with stuff. He's trying to always get better and uh, continuing to trying to learn. And it's that, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that I took where our listeners can apply some of that, you know, knowledge that he's, you know, applying to himself to their games. So uh, great guy. Uh, and, he, and he's a movie star. I was going to say, uh, so that, that was going to be my, my hockey rankings question of the week. Um, I was going to ask you two who paid for the movie or did he get like free passes? I, I think he may have paid for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know I got the popcorn. <laughs> Extra butter. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it was funny that we were, you know, he was driving me to the rink every day. And then, like, you want to grab dinner? Yeah, you want to just grab a movie, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and he didn't say anything. And I saw him up on the big screen. It was, it was pretty funny. That is funny. Kind of quiet kid that he's not going to self promote that he's in a movie, but he wanted to see it, I'm sure. 
Yeah, of course. You want to see how he looked on the big screen. Uh, well, that interview was also brought to you by Franklin Street Hockey, the official ball and street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. The summer is in full swing, and so is summer hockey. Head to franklinsports.com to stock up on everything you need for street hockey and off-ice training. Um, Mots, we also have the My Hockey Rankings question of the week. Um, this is a good one here. What's a good way to create time and space on the ice? Well, I would say... When you're carrying the puck, you want to mismatch speeds. So, like as a defenseman, so we always talk about defending at times. As a defenseman, you want to match speeds. You know, have a good gap is really what it is. Right. And so, if you think about it on the reverse, as a forward, you want to mismatch speeds. So, there's two ways to do it: you can slow down, or you can go faster. But then sometimes you're playing against good players who can react to what you're doing. So, my my biggest thing is drive a defenseman back get in in the zone either stop or curl back then yep. you gain that time and space to make a play or you can maybe do something on your own but you're gaining the zone and then you're able to create time and space by doing that one move so like the top of the circles is kind of like that cutoff, and you know it causes confusion on back check checkers versus the, the d closing on you and you know it can create opportunities on the rush coming and curling back and if you don't have anything then you just dump it back behind the net and then you go after it from there but that's that would be my biggest kind of um you know it was just like the most common way to t- uh, create time and space uh, or the easiest right you know? i think it's a great simple answer and also I can say from a uh, defensive point of view, one of the hardest things to do is adjusting that gap when a forward is going fast at full speed and then, you know, either does that Gretzky curl or pulls up. And now you have to slam on the brakes going backwards at full speed and have to readjust your gap. Like that is a very, very difficult skill to master as a defenseman. Uh, Something that, I spent a number of years not being able to do right. Like in, and only the, the great ones really can. It's, it's, it's very, very challenging. Right. Yeah. And that's the, the one thing that is, as you get, you know, higher and higher against quality players, um, that time and space is so valuable. So yeah. you see in the NHL, there's so many cutbacks. No one's right trying to beat anyone one-on-one, you know, unless it's in a shorter space below the, the dots per se. Every once in a while, someone will challenge someone in the right area, but more often than not, to curl back with possession, trying to make a play, short play to the middle or back behind the net. So if those guys are trying to do that, and you're playing at a higher level or you have good competition, you know, start applying that to your game and see where it goes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, changing subjects a little bit. Did you happen to catch the 30 for 30 uh, unrivaled on uh, the Colorado Avalanche and Detroit Red Wings uh, series back in the 90s, Dale? I did. Um, it was, yeah, it was, I was awesome. like, cool. You know, day night. And let's, I was so pumped that. So it ended like July, I don't know. Yeah. It was, a few, it was a few weeks ago. I meant to bring it up a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then. I couldn't find it on demand, so I just had to it, – it, it aired again on, like, July 1st. Right. So I taped it, and it was like, date night court, and we're going on the couch and yeah. watch it unrivaled. So she enjoyed it, too, but it was unbelievable. The yeah. I just remember watching it when I was you – know, I had an impressionable age as well, and 
the talent on the ice and then that just kind of belly hate. It was really, that was real. And, you know, it just led to like great hockey. I mean, there'll be a penalty, a shift if you watch some of those clips. Oh, oh major. The one on even. like the, the, I forgot about like, you remember the Draper head slam and, you know, like, like that whole thing when like the Mew did it and, um, you know, McCarty, obviously, like th- those big kind of highlights. But I forgot all about Adam Foote and Slava Kozlov. Like he taking the back of his head, Smash slamming it. it into the dash, or the, the you know, the pylon. And he is just has like a hole in his forehead, like leaking blood. And no like, suspension. Th- no, I don't even think there was a penalty call. Then he no, like falls on top of him and like gives him like a cross check to the back of the head. He gets up leaking blood, no penalty called. And that kind of like started it all off. But it was unbelievable. I did the same thing. I missed the, the initial uh, show of it and I, I, I set the DVR for it. And I'm like, all right, kids, like everybody's putting their phones away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife, kids, I'm like, we're watching this. And everybody was entertained. It was, uh, really really good if you haven't seen it like you, you got to go back and and check it out i'll find out the next time it airs on espn and and tune in because it's uh well worth it and just to have like lemieux and mccarty there and like you can tell i mean they respect each other as as hockey players in some way but there's still like that hatred in the air right just a little friction yeah just a little tension and they're kind of narrating the whole thing but yeah it was uh Really, really good. If you haven't seen it, you know, it might be uh, depending on the age of your kids. But I, I mean, I had my 10 year old watch it. I'm like, dude, you got to you got to watch how hockey used to be played. Right. All right. I think that's uh, I think that's a fair, you know, watching, you know, some nasty hits, you know, guys like the emotions ran high, especially after, you know, the Draper hit. I mean, that's right. like but the two guys that started that whole first little dust up. Or two skilled guys, Marianoff yeah. and uh, Forsberg. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And you forget how, uh, you know, people forget, and especially like I remember it, but, and then I'm sure you do, but uh, Vladimir Konstantinov, like just how good, Destroying like he was. Oh my God, just an absolute savage, just a savage, like unbelievable player, unbelievable player. Um, and like you said, so many hall of famers, like in like, like never again, will you see that many hall of famers on the ice at one time, right? Or like I, with the salary cap error and stuff like there's no way, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, that's, that was pretty impressive to both, both teams were just stacked, stacked, and, uh, just played good hockey and the way it was played back then. And you know, they, you had to be tough, you know, because of the, the nonsense that was going on and. It just, it, that was like the stuff that I used to love, you know, watching, tuning in, and ESPN had the, the games on Gary Thorne. Oh yeah, he was just yeah, a great voice, you know. So it was, um, it was cool to see and, and kind of relive. You get, it brings you right back. So definitely check it out if you haven't checked it out. Definitely check it out. We're kind of as we're recording here Wednesday afternoon. We're in the thick of uh, NHL free agency, but there's been a couple, uh, you know, a couple former guests. Uh, Vinny Trocek is, uh, he's ended up, he just signed a nice little ticket with the Rangers. going to be interesting to see him there. Uh, Nick Bukestad went to the Coyotes, Nolachari to St. Louis. A couple other deals have gone on, Mots, that, uh, we've seen. Uh, still no Johnny Goudreau yet. And 
to put on yeah, show. That's, that's, that's coming. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, I mean, Claude Giroux went 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 um, Ottawa. to Ottawa. Uh, Jack Campbell uh, up to Edmonton. Darcy Kemper to um, Washington. Uh, Evander Kane back to Edmonton. So it's pretty uh, pretty pretty interesting uh, hockey times right now, right? Yeah, the free agent frenzy. You know, it's free just agent. interesting how they, you know, the draft and then the de- development camp and, and the free agency. There's a lot going on with, um, you know, these organizations, and they have to be able to be on top of things leading up to the bo- this whole week, really. And, um, yeah, Johnny Goudreau, like, saying, you know, goodbye to Calgary is a tough bounce for them. You know, I know they gave him a good offer and rolled out the red carpet, but he's looking to move on and, It'll be interesting to see where he lands. Yeah, Darren Helm stayed with uh, Colorado. The Bruins and uh, Devils with the little trade, Pavel Zaka and, um, to the Bruins, and uh, Eric Halla went to uh, New Jersey, which is interesting. Robert Thomas agreed to a, a extension out in St. Louis. Josh Manson, which uh, he looked great all playoffs. That was a, That's a good deal for Colorado for him to stay there. Uh, Martin Jones is going out to Seattle, so – uh, pretty pretty good stuff. Oh, actually, and the uh, you know Mikhail uh, Sergachev signed a long term extension with Tampa Bay. I'm just trying to think of stuff here. Uh, there's been so many right off the right off the rip. Uh, yeah. Brent Burns did Brent Burns go to uh, Carolina? Yeah, he got traded. Yeah, he got traded. So pretty uh, pretty yeah, lively uh, start of uh, start of free agency. Yeah, it's like I, the I, it's like the EHF here mating season. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I guess Mike Greer, you know, making some moves early. So see, uh, see what else shakes out, but it's an exciting time. You know, it's not the off season, but the free agent frenzy. So there's a lot of movement and we'll see uh, if there's anything more in the next few days. Did you have any, uh, like free agent stories for, from your career when you hit the market? Um, I had like, you know, three pretty good years in New Jersey and I had to wait to training camp to get signed. And then I was ready to retire and I got signed day one of free agency. (laughs) (laughs) So it made no sense. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. yeah, That's unbelievable. Like, yeah. Three years in Jersey. And that's when you went to the Islanders, right? Yeah. And And that was right. Got hurt. And, uh, they're like, we need a D and. Oh, they're like bags are packed, ready to go to Russia. Yeah, it was, wow. uh, yeah. So the free agency wasn't. You know, you have to you have to bet on yourself. You know, you know you're going to get a deal if you do the right things throughout the season, and sometimes you have to be patient. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's funny though. That's a uh, good little story there about uh, the old mozzarella sticks hitting free agency, uh, and then you're ready to retire, and that's when you signed with Toronto. Was that right? In Florida. Oh, Florida, Florida. In my last year. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. I'm like, what's uh, going on here? There's a- yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, this episode is also brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. Uh, if you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with our friend Chris Devon and see if it makes sense for you. Devo may be able to help you save uh, on a monthly basis so you can put more money into savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevon.com and tell him the Rink Shrink sent you. And check out our boy Devo. He's a good man. You can, uh, he can definitely help you out. 
Yeah. Well, uh, we've also, we've had a bunch of uh, mailbag questions come in over the past two weeks uh, and a few uh, a few voicemails. So don't worry. We'll get back to them on, um, you know, next week in our mailbag episode. Make sure you keep sending in those stories and, um, and fill up the mailbag, you know, hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, wherever it may be. Uh, you can obviously email us rinkshrinks at gmail.com. Um, check out the rinkshrinks.com for different recaps of the show and other things. Follow us on social media channels, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. Uh, there's a lot of information about the upcoming street hockey tournament. And uh, remember to uh, like, subscribe, uh, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever uh, wherever you listen to the show, right? Exactly, yeah. And that street hockey tournament's uh, getting a lot more traction, getting some uh, some more sign-ups, so be sure to Go on the website and sign up. Sign up your team, and we're going to have a ball doing it. We're going to have a street hockey ball. Exactly. The, the rinkshrinks.com. So, um, all right, Mots, good episode. Once again, thanks to JBR for joining us. We had a, a blast talking to him, and uh, time to cue the rink shrink shuffle. Yeah.